0: Into this episode of the Black Girl Learns podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This week's episode is going to be a fun one. I am hosting along with guest co host Mimi, and we are going to talk about a TV show that, at this point, if you have not seen it, where have you been? It's called Ozark and it is currently streaming on Netflix. Ozark premiered in July of 2017. And the series just wrapped its final season on April 29th of this year. Ozark is a crime drama series starring Jason Bateman and Laura Lenny, who play Marty and Wendy Bird, a married couple who move their family to the lake of the Ozarks for money laundering. We will go into deeper discussion on what this plot is about, who the characters are, and so much more. And we can't go into every single aspect of the show in one episode, of course. We would have to dedicate an entire series podcast to breaking down Ozark. But we will go over some of the highlights of what we love about the Ozark and maybe some of the things we had issues with. But either way, if you are a fan of Ozark, then this is one episode you do not want to miss and that you absolutely will enjoy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This episode will be filled with spoilers. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host, I'm really excited to talk to you on this episode because I am a recent I'm actually late, but I am a recent fan of a show that just ended its series run on Netflix. You may have heard of it. It's called Ozark. It's the show that everybody is talking about and obviously right now everyone's talking about it because season 4 has ended and a lot of people are in their feelings about it and we're going to talk about it from season one until the ending, and I'm really excited to have Mimi here with me on the show. This is her very first podcast, and Mimi and I, just like full transparency, we go way back. We used to work together way back in the day when I had a nine to five, and um, Mimi, I'm so glad to, to talk to you and just geek out over this. Oh,
1: me too, because you and I have similar tastes so it's so nice to be able to geek out on this together. So thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So Ozark, a series about a family, a man in particular who is a financial planner, but he has these skills in money laundering. <laughs> and he he uses these skills uh, very strategically. And at first, you know, these skills are used to save his family. Um, but as it turns out, the money laundering scheme is kind of used in ways to kill people, to hide a lot of crimes, <laughs> to to save do really other <laughs>
1: Just improve themselves, you know. Help them get to the upper echelon, you know. Moving on
0: up. Yep. Political aspirations to make more money for themselves. Uh, So there's there's a lot of uh, boundaries that are crossed when it comes to ethics and morality on this show. So, well, first of all, let me ask you, Mimi, what even brought you to Ozark? Because I I believe you've been watching the show longer than I started watching.
1: Wow. I'll be honest, I'm a huge Laura Lenny fan, and I love Jason Bateman. Um, not to age myself, but I have had the hots for him since Hogan's family on uh, television, 8.30 at night. Yes, I thought he was fine then. I still think he's fine now.
0: So that was my motivation. I, I've loved Laura Lenny since she was in this movie called You Can Count On Me with Mark Ruffalo. That came out in 2000, so hey. That was like over 20 years ago. (laughs) So that was,
1: and um, I think I was first introduced to her. There was this show and I forget what the name of it was, but it was um, when she was a young um, up and coming um, career woman in San Francisco. And it was very controversial at the time because it dealt with a lot of um homosexuality at that time which you know people weren't really discussing and um she was just a single i guess you could say it was kind of like sex in the city before there was sex in the city um but i can't remember that title but she was fantastic in that show
0: she is an amazing actor so anything with laura lenny is going to be good and jason bateman is amazing mm-hmm. so and i had a chance to talk to his sister on the black girl nerds podcast so you know quick plug if you Justine. want to go back to the archive, yeah, if you want to go back to the archives, listen to my interview with Justine uh, talking about her film Violet that came out at the South by Southwest Festival um, this past year. So, but back to Ozark. So, oh man, where do we even begin? Episode, oh. season, season one was one of those seasons for me that had a Game of Thrones moment uh, where a character who I thought was like going to be the main character of the show mm-hmm. dies on us and you know who I'm talking about yes. are we
1: are we talking about uh my main main man Usai Morales first of all uh, that Chabelle. man gets,
0: that man is Ugh. like fine wine he just gets he better. better with age
1: damn so yes. if, I, if you're listening I just want to say bravo to you sir because you played that character i mean he was just he was scary but at the same time he's the guy that
0: you want to root for to a certain
1: extent and i i commend him because that was well played well played
0: well played by the way i know i'm late in saying this but there are going to be spoilers in this episode so if you've not seen ozark you might want to pause this podcast and go watch it and then come back. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, Del Camino Del Rio. Uh, he is a drug lord who actually works for a bigger drug lord by the name of Omar Navarro. Um, we kind of think that he's like the bigger guy, though. It, that's sort of slide. Yes. we don't know about Omar yet. Um, But we're thinking, okay, like he's the big man, like he Mm -hmm. offs all of pretty much most of uh, Marty's friends that he works with at this uh, company, financial uh, planning company that he works for, whatever. Um, And the reason why he kills these guys is because it turns out that they've been skimming some money off the Mm -hmm. top uh, from this money laundering scheme that they've got going on with Dell.
1: And can I just say that scene where they were at that um, at the business where they had everyone on their knees and he was just fishing for information. It was just the fact that out of everyone there, it was Marty who could tell right away that, OK, he doesn't really know anything, but he's just fishing. And that in that moment, Dell had a lot of respect for Marty. You know, and that it was just. Um, I don't know, it's just. How do I say this? Dell was someone who had ethics to a certain extent. He had his own morals, I guess, as much as any criminal can. But just the fact that he was in that moment so scary and so threatening without having to overly be scary or threatening to me. And with that hotness, yeah, I was just like, you can tie me up and put me down there with them. I don't mind, sir.
0: (laughs) I completely agree. And also I would add that Marty is a man that can talk his way through any situation. I mean, the man has this gift of just being able to convince anyone of anything (laughs) to the point where, you know, he had, he's held at gunpoint by Dell and uh, convinces Dell that, Hey, I can launder money from you. I'm really good at this. Trust me don't kill me. You know, I'm paraphrasing all this by the way, but don't kill me. I I can make you lots and lots of money. I can hide it in the Ozarks and you will, you know, be a millionaire several times over. And Dell is like, all right, you know, I, I don't trust you, but I'm going to test you on this. And that's what leads us to uh, the next episode. All of this happens in the pilot, by the way, but this leads us to episode two, which is the journey that the birds are on in money laundering mm-hmm. for the Mexican cartel.
1: Yes. And what I appreciated in that moment and to uh, speak on, or rather further elaborate on Marty, it was his ability to assess the entire situation and approach it from a pragmatic standpoint, because that's what makes a good salesman when you understand that situation and you're able to appeal to someone on their level. And so that's what I think, I think that is why he was able to talk himself out of that situation, because in the end, he knew that that was all that motivated Dell was the money. So therefore, he was able to talk himself out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And get himself out of the situation. So Marty is the man, most certainly.
0: Marty is the man. So who is your, I mean, we all have, when we watch these TV shows, like our favorite characters who we like. Um, Do you have a favorite character on Ozark?
1: I know I'm going to get crucified for this, which is probably why. (laughs) I'm a little hesitant to say this, but I honestly love Wendy. So don't crucify me, guys. I know that a lot of people hate Wendy, but I just admire the fact that she was brought into the situation, a situation she didn't create but she took it, she ran with it and she owned up to what she wanted and was not apologetic about how to get there. Mm.
0: So I appreciated that about her. She owned the hell out of it to the point where basically what season four or maybe Mm -hmm. even season three, like she was running shit. (laughs) She was. (laughs) I mean, where Navarro was really dealing with her in those
1: scenes- and not necessarily Marty because he understood where the real power lied within that scenario and it was with Wendy and so yeah and that's the case with all of the women in that show if you think about it whether it's Darlene, Ruth, Wendy to a certain extent so mm-hmm.
0: oh, yeah you know what I, that just dawned on me the women were really powerful in this series more so they than were. Helen Helen as well um yeah, my, my favorite character is Ruth. I listen, first of all, <laughs> Julia Garner is amazing. She won two Isn't Emmys, she? by the way, for this performance as Ruth Langmore. Um well deserved. Well deserved. And you can see her also on another Netflix show, inventing Anna, which I highly recommend, where she plays uh the scam artist from New York, um uh Anna Delvey. Uh but yeah. Ruth is just ruthless. Like she, I love the actors. I love the puns. I love the, <laughs> there was, there's a season, there's a moment in season one where they get the cubs. R- remember they get the two little uh, yes. lion I don't oh, know yeah. if they're lions or, t- I think they're I lions. Think they
1: were. And I mean, then I thought they were coyotes of some sort, but yeah, I know what you're talking about with the two little, um, Uh, the babies in there and then the uncles thought that there was a male and a female and it wasn't.
0: Yeah, there were two females and she's like, well, what are they going to do? Scissor each other? That (laughs) had me in stitches. I'm just like, she is so funny and just like, and at first I didn't like her. Like she was just kind of off. Yeah. She was just kind of off putting to me, like, you know, because I, I had empathy for the birds. Like she stole their money and like, here they mm-hmm. are, they're trying to do this laundering scheme. And cause I, here I'm thinking I'm duped, right? I'm thinking that Marty is like this genuine, great, nice guy. And, and Wendy too, trying to save the family, which I think at the beginning, that's really what it was. And then it evolved mm-hmm. into something worse, but you know, he's hiding all of this money that they're holding for the Mexican cartel. and then ruth posing as a uh, well I, she wasn't posing she was working there as a hotel maid motel motel maid goes into mm-hmm. their room and steals their money and i'm like this huffer like so exactly i, and, I was you know, so and- mad yeah but then yeah she grew on me and i i loved her to the very end and um i want to talk about that ending too
1: girl i um I had to watch that ending quite a few times. It's kind of like that episode in This Is Us, Miguel, where it just sticks with you for a minute, and I didn't know how to feel about it.
0: The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. The Geeked podcast is your weekly energy boost of the worlds, fandoms, and stories you love hosted by Princess Weeks, author, YouTuber, and connoisseur of all things Sailor Moon and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Tessa Netting, actress, musical theater nerd, and lover of all fictional villains. Each week, they will break down the top stories in the land of geekdom and then take a deep dive into the lore of Netflix worlds bigger than our own. Worlds like Stranger Things, The Umbrella Academy, The Witcher, and many more. You'll also get to hear some of your favorite actors and creatives talk about fun behind-the-scenes tidbits and, of course, what they are geeking out about. This podcast is a must-listen for anyone who is checking out Twitter threads and fan wikis, dying to theorize and talk about that new show they are obsessed with. Interviews include actor Joseph Quinn from Stranger Things 4, Emmy Raver-Lampman, who plays Allison Hargreaves in The Umbrella Academy, podcast host and cultural critic Rose Damu, and many more. Interviews include breakout stars from Stranger Things and Umbrella Academy, as well as cultural critics and professional geeks you know and love. New episodes of The Geeked Podcast come out weekly. Follow The Geeked Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or or wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to follow at Netflix geeked on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok.
1: So I, I don't know how to feel about it. I really don't. What about you?
0: So I am oh, like, I looked at the reactions online and from what I'm seeing, most people don't like the ending. I'm okay with the ending. I'm okay with Ruth being shot and killed. I know that a lot of people were upset about that. I mean, first of all, all of the Langmores were pretty much wiped out, except for a little kid. What's his name? Red or something? Three. Three. There was, oh, three. That's his name. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Three. Um, yeah. So all of the kids, all of the Langmores were, were wiped out. And I think there's sort of like a little metaphor to that like Mm -hmm. being under the web of the birds means that you either work for them forever or there's death like there's no in between um so that's kind of what i got out of it and because ruth tried to get out that her the only other detour was death and then there's also the consequence of her actions i mean she had that moment too where she's at the intersection and she has the choice whether to go in and kill Javier. Javier is the guy that um, was responsible for killing Wyatt, her cousin. and our um, man, Yeah. So she's trying to avenge his death. So she had a moment where she could have decided, you know what, let me go and, you know, live off of the fat of the land. Let me build my estate. I have all of this new wealth now and just, you know, live this happily ever after life with three and just get out of here. But she didn't. Didn't She, go ahead.
1: But I mean, no, I'm sorry to interrupt, but didn't she always have an option at every single turn? She's always had a way out, but she never took it. And, you know, one of the things that's so sad about her character is because you find that her loyalty to the birds was because of the fact that Marty valued her and saw potential in her and actually wanted to help her so-called improve her life. But there was a consequence to that. And she had multiple opportunities, even at the very beginning of season four, when Marty said, stop, you know, selling your heroine to Darnell, I mean, to Darlene, Wyatt and Ruth, but she didn't listen. Right. Yeah. So she, so in the end, I think that this was always going to be her trajectory. She was never going to get out because she didn't want to.
0: And and that makes sense that her trajectory would end in death. That's why I'm not upset that she ended up with that type of story, that that she had a tragic ending. There's even a moment where where she got her record expunged and mm-hmm. the the woman asks her, do you want to change your name? And she's like, I like my name. It's like, she doesn't want to start on a new slate. She doesn't want to, you know, start anew and, and create a fresh life for herself. She's fine with being under the Langmore legacy, which unfortunately is a legacy that's been cursed. So mm-hmm. that's that's why me personally, I think that it's almost kind of in a weird way of saying it poetic that she died. Um, so I didn't have an issue with that. Uh, but I noticed another fan reaction that people were upset about was the car accident. So I wanted to get your take on that. What did you think about the car accident? Cause people thought it was unnecessary.
1: Well, I think that like the priest said, you know, how many more opportunities will God continue to give you and you just walk away from? Mm. And so that was just really their way, or rather, I would say, rather God's way, in His opinion, of saying to you, "Okay, this is your opportunity. Now you can get out. You can walk away." And I think that 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 accident it was really a way to show that this was a lifestyle. Now that um, that they chose. Right. Mm-hmm. This was their crossroads. Like you were saying with Ruth, this is the moment that you can decide to go one way or the other. And they chose, okay, we're just going to go ahead and fully commit to what we're doing. I am unstoppable. I am invincible at this moment. So, um, I could kind of see both sides, but as you see the se- I mean, as you see the season play out and that accident, it makes sense now in terms of the larger picture.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it does make sense. I think what I would have preferred to have come out of that accident was that Wendy, instead of Wendy saying that, you know, we're invincible, you know, we can't be touched, that she has a moment of redemption. Like she has a moment where it's like, wow, we've been given a second chance. Maybe we we shouldn't be doing this. Um, I don't but then think that's,
1: that was going to ever be a possibility for her. I mean, this is a woman yeah. who... When you think about it, she committed herself so she could find a way to manipulate her own children, and so I think that hmm. there is no redeeming.
0: And killed her brother. It,
1: exactly. Yes. Which I'll be honest. To me, if I were in her position, what I have done, probably I could see why she she did what she did. You know, but. Yeah. I don't think that doing what they do, I don't think there's any way that you can be redeemed. I think that's the great lie of rationalization that they tell themselves all of the time in order to continue to do what they do.
0: Right. Um, Do you have any theories about how the show will continue after that last moment? Because the very last scene we see Mel, who is a private investigator, which Mel, by the way, gets on my last nerve. Girl, oh, like, doesn't he though? Bro. I was like, it's funny. There were fans that were comparing him to Mike from Breaking Bad, and I know you haven't seen Breaking Bad yet, but I'm like, Mike is far more together and far less obsessed than Mel. The fact that you guys are even comparing him to Mike, stop it right now.
1: Um, wouldn't he be but, more of a little finger if you want to do re- you know references is just he's just I know there's a point to him but he just irritates me so much that so you just much. like do just just go away can somebody it's just like watch him like a fly and go
0: yeah he has something to prove you know because I guess of his shortcomings in his past and it's like bruh just let it go but Okay. Yeah, so, so Mel is obsessed with the birds and finds out that um, that Ben was killed and um, is on to the birds, and uh, Jonah, the son of both Marty and Wendy, <laughs> takes a gun <laughs> and shoots him dead, and that's the very last scene that we see in season four, um, mm-hmm. which sort of... and my assumption implies that okay well now it's it's passed on it's like okay well now jonah has sort of inherited the the crime immorality element of what Mm -hmm. the birds represent that you know he's okay with you know not only money laundering but doing murder which is what his mom was doing you know indirectly um So, yeah, what is your thoughts on that? What's your theories about where the show goes beyond it?
1: See, and this is where, oh, my goodness, Jamie. uh, There's just so much to unpack with that last scene because you see this kid finally come full circle. Because even at the very beginning, he was the one that wanted to protect his family because he understood the real danger that they were in with that cartel, which is why he started to learn how to shoot a gun and... I thought he was gonna go Michael Myers on me for a minute, you know, with the disembowelment of animals. Cause I'm like, what is going on with this kid? I but,
0: know, me too.
1: <laughs> uh he had me a little concerned. Um, but I don't know if he actually kills Mike. I mean, not Mike, but Mel. <laughs> you know you have me comparing to Mike. Oh my gosh, but, I was
0: thinking the same thing. Go on.
1: I don't think that I don't think that he is going to kill Mel. Because the only way that he could neutralize Mel was to get rid of that body and those ashes, right? Because if there's no urn, there's no evidence, then there is no case. So why kill a cop, right? So I think he shot that urn.
0: Interesting. Either that or he shot Wendy, but I don't think he shot Wendy. See, I think, this is what I think, I think he shot Wendy i think he shot wendy because first of all that whole last season he was hating on her big time i mean he wanted (laughs) to idiot yeah i mean of course you you can culp it up to teen angst and all of that but Mm -hmm. i i think he wanted out i think if you really want out take out the mom because she had a hold over the family she had a hold over marty and at this point she had a hold over charlotte too because remember in the mm-hmm. earlier season, Charlotte was the one that was being rebellious, and then yeah, Charlotte, was. yeah, and then Charlotte started to you know kind of help run the casino and was doing errands for them. So Jonah's like, oh, so I'm the only one that thinks all of this is you know screwed up right now. So I think he yeah. actually shot Wendy, but and that makes sense Reddit because.
1: I don't, you know what though? And that's why I say I'm kind of torn because what you're saying could be right. Because I mean, if you think about it, when Ben died, that's when everything changed for Jonah. And he realized that if you're a weak link, what his mom was willing to go, you know, what his mom was willing to do. And I think that um, when Charlotte did not say, I'm not going to, you're insane, I would never kill you. I think that in his mind is when he understood his role in that family, because if his sister is willing to say, "It's not willing to say, I would never kill you, you're insane, yeah, I think you're probably right. His only option would be to shoot his mother. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, there's a reason why the, the writers elected not to show us who got shot and they cut to black like in yes. Sopranos which whew, still comes very day I know me. I know I'm like really y'all I I still to this day was like what is going on with my HBO did I not pay the bill that month what, right? is, what it's
1: is like it, it's kind of like this is like Sopranos 2.0 because now it's just like come on don't fade black on me I know I, mean, I know yeah
0: but I don't mean say. they they, I feel like they're doing that purposefully to I mean, obviously they, they want us as fans to throw out our little conspiracy theories, but I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think he shot Mel. I, I think it's, I think it's too easy to assume that, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I mean, we could right all now, be wrong
1: and he could have probably shot himself. I don't know. We, we would never know. Just like did the dude ever tell us what really happened to Tony 20 plus years later? No, he's probably sure. good. <laughs> True, you know, dragless. So I'll be like, oh no, just watch a show. But
0: yeah, I saw this YouTube video, which gosh, the YouTubers and the explainer videos—they are so like precise with seeing these little details. I'm like, how do you guys do that? But they were noticing the details around Jonah and uh, Glass. There's a scene where we notice when he does his first attempted kill. Uh the only reason he didn't kill uh oh gosh, what is the name of the guy? I forgot the name of the first guy that he had tried to kill. Um wasn't but, no it wasn't Nelson.
1: Um but I I I just I, I don't even remember that. But yeah, I don't remember his name, but I do know what you're talking Garcia. about.
0: Garcia Garcia. Okay. So the only reason he didn't kill Garcia because there wasn't any bullets in the gun because Buddy took out the bullets. Oh that's right. But in that scene Um, We never see Buddy kill Garcia, but we know he shot and killed him because it happened off camera. But when he shoots the gun, there's a glass that just blasts out of the window, shattered glass. And Jonah and Wendy and Charlotte are running out of the house, you know, getting into their car to to get away. Then there's the other scene after uh, Jonah visits Helen Pierce, because he also points a shotgun at her. I forgot what the confrontation was but he was upset at her about something. Um going, I believe it
1: was Ben, right? Because he wanted to know what happened oh, to Ben.
0: That's right. Yeah. He wanted to know what was going on with Ben. So then in that scene after he leaves Helen's home, he comes home, the Marty and Wendy are away, he shoots through the glass windows in the home. They come home to see that, you know, there's bullet holes in their window. So that's a second incident where we see shattered glass done by bullet holes. And then the third scene is the final scene in season four
1: we're where they broken. come
0: home and they see the, yeah, they see the glass with the bullet hole and we're wondering what what's going on. So it's all tied to Jonah and the gun and glass. And I'm like, damn, I never... I never noticed that trail that little that little detail. I don't know what the See, metaphor is as far as like glass and and bullet holes and and shattered glass and guns <laughs> and what that means, but I thought it was You know
1: it is fascinating especially with all of these YouTubers cuz I've seen some of those, you know, explanation videos and I'm like, first of all, the level of which you have to want to analyze something you know watch it in such detail to where you analyze you find all of these easter eggs i want to know first of all do you have a job because (laughs) i know you were spending a lot of hours investigating this video and number two that's like you know with sixth sense with you know what was his name Bruce willis you didn't even know he was the ghost until afterwards and then you see oh he is you know it's always cold. Why is a mom never, you know, in the room with him? Why are they never speaking? And then with that little red doorknob, it's like one of those things where I'm supposed to see these clues and then voila, here's this theory. Um, I just think the kid is just crazy. Um, (laughs) He, you know, he watched a little bit too much, you know, uh, the video games where he was watching people shooting people and and the cartel and seeing how to disembowel people. You know, I think he just is on the precipice of becoming the next Michael Myers. And, you know, they created this monster and now they know, you know, release the Kraken and they know to release him and then he just gonna shoot people. Um, I know. That is a very, that's a very scary thought though, when you think about it.
0: I mean, yeah, he he has the potential to be like a mass shooter type. Like he's, he's now that yeah. kind of guy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, as far as like where the show goes beyond season four, I don't see a future for the birds. I, I definitely see no a tragic Not kid. now that
1: Ruth is dead, no, because if those kids find out that Ruth is dead and then their parents knew about it and didn't stop it, I think that would be the thing that would push Jonah over the edge.
0: Mm. It, uh, that or the fact that eventually it's gonna catch up to them. Like This game is going to have an ending. You can't win all the time. The odds are eventually going to be against your favor. So that that's how I see it. Eventually the Mexican cartel is going to, you know, be like, we don't need you guys anymore. We've got enough money that we need. Mm -hmm. We have no use for you, you know? or maybe they may become a liability or something. And it's just going, it's just going to catch up to them at some point. So that's what I think. I just don't think that they're going to live out their days, you know, in retirement as these wealthy oligarchs. Like, I just don't see that happening.
1: I don't think that they're in this scenario. That's one of the things I love about Ozark is that no one, really is going to receive a happy ending because in the end, no one in the show deserves a happy ending. So I think that the birds understand that and they're very realistic about that, especially now that they know that you've replaced Omar Navarro, who, I mean, that was a phenomenal character with this woman who is just as ruthless, who is just as ambitious, and more violent. And so I think now that they've created the situation where they can't escape from it because Camilla at some point, like you said, she is going to kill them. And even worse yet, if they keep going, eventually they are gonna have to kill Jonah. They're gonna have to kill one of their children because one of those kids are going to, especially with Ruth, I think it would have ended where Jonah would have gone off the deep end and yeah they were going to have to kill him eventually that's my thought
0: and i think you brought up a good point with camilla camilla is very loyal to family and Mm -hmm. omar is very loyal to money so i think camilla cares more about if you threaten her family or if you cross her family in any way she's going to focus on that before money so While Marty and Wendy are like, oh, well, we can, you know, give you this amount of money and how much do you need? That doesn't mean anything to Camilla. She's going to kill you regardless. You can Mm -hmm. offer her hundreds of millions of dollars. She won't care about that because that's not her priority. So I think in that sense that their days are numbered under her reign because Omar was a different kind of drug lord. Like that, you know, mm-hmm. money was his, his God and Camilla, she, she's all about family. So yeah, I, it, it ain't and gonna, it ain't gonna last.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it most certainly isn't because once Javi was killed, once Ruth did that, she sealed all of their fates. Because like you said, I think that Camilla proved that her real motivation, it it is power to a certain extent, but it is her family, yes. first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And so that is why she was willing to kill her own brother for that. And I'm kind of beginning to wonder when um, Navarro said that, you know, my my nephew is going to try and kill me. I'm curious if his mother was behind that whole entire thing, you know, the entire time she was behind Javi trying to make a move on that cartel, which is why Navarro wanted to get out
0: hmm that's a good point that's a good point the mom might have been the one edging hobby all along mm-hmm. and that's why he would so, him, yeah yeah it wouldn't he seemed like he's a mama's boy anyway <laughs> he is he is and he
1: was too impatient but I don't think that he he's the type of person where he would make those types of moves on his own not without the blessing of his mother
0: right right yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's just not gonna end well for them.
1: I just need a season five so I could see somebody else die and get they come up and just just one, <laughs> just once. And um it's kind of interesting though, also that in the end, it was really Marty that was making those rationalizations and saying, you know what, we can bear this, you know, when it came to Ruth. He was okay to a certain extent with sacrificing her. I I found it interesting that it was that it was Wendy in the end that was more concerned of what was going to happen to their family now that Ruth was gone. Whereas Marty. Yeah, at that point, I don't think I think he was resigned to it because he was like, I'm done with Ruth and I can't save her anymore. So he was just like, "Okay,
0: OK. But but Wendy ultimately led. Ultimately, Wendy was the one that caused Ruth's death because Wendy was the one that called Javier back to the office, which is what you know led all of those events that you know led to Ruth's death. So, had Wendy not done that, I mean, eventually Ruth would have probably gotten a hobby. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. Wendy was like, "Oh, well, let me call him." Here he is, you know. And Marty was looking at, and I think there was a scene where Marty confronted Wendy on that, like, why did you do that? So I don't know. I I always feel like, you know, at the end of the day, Marty had like a soft spot for, for Ruth. Like he felt sorry for her. He felt sorry for, you know. She was like his
1: daughter, you know, like one of his kids.
0: Yeah. And he just felt sorry for her upbringing and stuff. And, and maybe he even felt bad for be, kind of being responsible, indirectly responsible for, you know, all of the deaths of her relatives, and he wanted right. to kind of just help her, her out that
1: lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it, it's interesting to me how she was in the end the person who was most loyal to them, even more so than their own children, and yet they caused her so much pain and turmoil. And she, I mean, she essentially lost her entire family because she had so much faith in them and believed in them, you know, wanted to be a part of the family. So it all comes back to the family, you know, wanting to be a part of something bigger than yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite season of the show? Is there a season where you were just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is wild.
1: Um, I would say season one, because to me it was, it was fresh yeah, and it was a new, you know, it's, it was new, right. In terms of that whole concept, but in terms of seasons, I felt like season three to me was the biggest waste. And I say that it was still good. It was just that whole Ben art that whole Ben storyline which to me I was like why in the world would you bring in someone you know to be mentally unstable into your house and then you know your your criminals at some point you know that this person's going to become a liability because you can't control them so I just thought that was like a whole a whole waste of the season but I understood that was kind of like how they ended up separating Marty and Ruth and, you know, putting that in
0: between the two of them. So, I actually really liked the Ben season. I think, um, I I understand why, first of all, the Ben season really exposed Wendy's selfishness and her power over Marty. So it was almost like a necessary evil, and even though it, it really was sad to see Ben struggling and him basically being this innocent party entangled in this web of just like lies and deceit and he just got caught up in it. And I, I, I felt really just horrible for Ben. Um, it, it was necessary to push forward uh, the story of Wendy's arc as well as Marty's Mm -hmm. arc. So I, I actually appreciated um, how that was uh, put together story-wise. And I understand why, you know, she kept him there because I think she kind of wanted to have a moment of normalcy of kind of going back to being with her brother and, you know, kind of getting outside of the four corners of this terrible web of just craziness that they created for themselves and being with her brother again. And I think she even thought she could control him the same way she was controlling Marty. Like she was really going through a power trip. Um, But once she she realized, yeah, once she realized she couldn't do that, um, you know, and it was out of her control, then, you know, she sacrificed him, which ended up being one of the biggest tragic moments of the entire season so um
1: and really drove season four because that really damaged her relationship with her son you know someone who was in the beginning really all in in terms of money laundering and making sure that their family stayed safe but then in the end she ended up costing herself her family as a result of that and And not only that, but also Ruth, because that created a whole host of issues with Ruth. And it was really sad because, you know, and I think this is the only thing that I really loved about that season was because you actually were able to see Ruth feeling loved and feeling like a real human being. And she actually had someone in her life, aside from her cousins, that she didn't want to lose and that she wasn't willing to sacrifice and how that created the tension within that relationship and it was good in that season it's just to me overall I yes Wendy was on a power trip and you get to see her kind of fully evolve and come into her full evil self but <laughs> I just feel like Ben dude you're irritating me just like was Mel was irritating <laughs> you Ben just I was just like you know like I like be Biff and back to the you know future like I think you know, just put my finger to his temple, like, dude, snap out of it. But oh
0: man, I oh my gosh, I loved Ben. I mean, first of all, I loved how lovesick he was over Ruth, and I was happy for just that quick moment that Ruth and Ben had that sort of puppy love between the two of them because Ruth needed that you know he she actually did. like yeah he kind of like, loved too, you know yeah he softened the edges the rough edges around Ruth because here the whole time she's got this wall up and she's always you know so hard and you know kind of just is. always has her guard up around people and then when she meets Ben you see her smiling and you know kind of acting like a little schoolgirl around him a little bit and i i loved that moment for them too um it's just sad that it was so short-lived but um i ben didn't really bother me i guess because i understood and they did a great job of you know setting up the the story uh of, you know, of his illness and, and, and what he was going through and even mm-hmm. setting it up between, uh, oh gosh, what's the actor's name that played her father? Um, oh, Richard John Thomas. Boy. <laughs> John, yes. Richard John Thomas. Boy from right. the Waltons. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, I only know him as John Boy. Oh um, my goodness. But yes, yeah, John like Boy. setting up that, uh, that backstory. I'm just like, oh, these me? kids have been through it you know? Oh my God. And you fully,
1: it wasn't until season four. And I honestly, for that moment, I felt bad for Wendy when she had to get on her knees and she was begging her father not to take her children. And just how quickly he was just so cold and he was he was just cruel just for the sake of being cruel to her and i said oh my god now i get why she has such control issues because with him she never had any kind of control over her life Mm -hmm. because of that person and i was just like he was like ah i i was i I so wanted rude to shoot him in that moment When she had that gun on him, I was like, girl, go ahead and shoot the preacher. I know it's evil, but go ahead and shoot the preacher,
0: please. That's why this show is so brilliant because it's like every character, you understand why they're mean, why they're happy, Mm -hmm. why they're sad, what, what their motivations are. You understand the trajectory of their story arc based off of you know, other characters that they've interacted with based off of you know their their parents, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I just love the way they set that up. Um, and you know that, that's just brilliant storytelling, like it is otherwise you know, because they did a
1: great yeah. Great like
0: otherwise, Wendy would be just like this two dimensional character if we mm-hmm. didn't get that backstory of Nathan Davis, her her dad. I finally figured out his name. Um, if we didn't get that, um, story about him and how he treated her, how he treated Mm -hmm. their mother, the fact that he's an alcoholic, this hypocrisy of him being a preacher and him, you Mm -hmm. know, being this church going, man, like all of that unpacked, um, it's just so. And why she's not so religious, especially when speaking to that priest. Yeah. She talks about that. Yes. Her conversations on religion and her, you know. Yeah, her lack of morals, lack of morals,
1: because she witnessed that her entire life with her father and seeing how someone who can, quote unquote, be such a moral man, but yet has no morals and how she's able to separate the two. That's why she's able to do what she does without really any kind of second thought, why she's capable of compartmentalizing in such a way that she could. You know, go out there and kill her brother because she understands that in the end, you know what needs to be done in order for you to get what you need and get what you want. You have to be willing to make certain sacrifices. And the writers created those characters in such a in such a multidimensional way that, yes, they're evil. But you know what? I can understand what drives you, what motivates you, and why you're doing what you're doing. And I can even, to a certain extent, I can support you in your evil endeavors. So I can say, go ahead, girl. Bravo. Bravo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And there's someone else that we have not talked about who I think is one of the most interesting and wild and crazy characters on this show. And that's Darlene. Darlene is... Darlene. Just, whew. when I saw her first of all Darlene had me when she killed Dell. I was like this she crazy you know she had me when
1: she killed what was the guy that from the lickety split it where she just came up behind him and just took Pastor her and she just injected him in the neck oh was, yeah yeah um, the
0: strip club owner guy yeah yes
1: yes him and I I agree. Darnell is one. Not Darnell. I always want to say Darnell. I mean Darlene. Excuse me, Darlene. No, that's um, <laughs> Darlene. And I just want to say that woman is scary. So she scary. is. She has such a sense of her own familial history within her ties to that land because that's what motivates her. It's right. her heritage her, her. and the whole idea of when criminals don't want to be spoken down to as if they are criminals and then, you know, stupid in that way. I was just like, girlfriend. Okay. Oh, um, girl went for the wrong one on that one. <laughs> yes, girl. Um, In that moment when he, when he called her, did he call her a redneck? He called her a redneck. In
0: afraid. that moment
1: I was like, Ooh, Del, you don't insult your host boo. You don't insult your host. And she just went bam
0: kill him without a second thought without a second thought and then she kills her own husband <laughs> yes and I think that what was interesting to
1: me is I don't um when we were speaking earlier about you know Game of Thrones and how the character of Tyrion and Jamie in the end I think they did a major disservice because they went against you know their character they and I think that was you know, the case for Darlene as well, because killing Jacob, I could understand, right? And then in the end, it was just as if her character just lost all common sense in terms of, you know, of her heroine, of you know, of uh, killing Frank Cosgrove senior. It was just like as time went on, I feel like her character became a little bit more stupid.
0: More crazy, I feel like. I feel like the craziness just started getting. Yeah. Because there was even a moment where she kind of talked to Wyatt in a way where she was gonna threaten him. Right. She was. And I was like, Are you gonna come after Wyatt next? And Wyatt had these this look in his eyes, like, uh He was
1: afraid to leave her because remember when um Ruth was like, Okay, you need to leave. He understood and in that moment when, um, when Darlene killed, uh, Frank Jr.'s father, he understood in that moment, this is a woman who is incredibly dangerous and I need to kind of walk away. And he was fearful. And I think that's partly what it was. He was afraid of Darlene. As but he, he wasn't that afraid.
0: Right after that, he proposed to her.
1: <laughs> yeah. But you know, he's 18. He, he don't, he don't, he don't, that's probably the first woman he probably, you know, was ever with you know and he he needed
0: a mama that's a whole that's what you know, it was men marry their
1: mamas he he needed a mama
0: he needed him I think it also Wyatt just really didn't care much about life and just anything in general like he, he got smitten by Darlene he needed a mom figure I agree with that and I think if his father was still alive he'd probably have his wits about him and likely wouldn't have even gone into a relationship with Darlene Snell but because he was just sort of out of sorts and just was completely apathetic about everything. um, Mm -hmm. He didn't care. He was just like, whatever, like, I'll just do this. I'll be with this woman. She can take care of me. I got a place to live. You know, I'm in a house instead of a trailer park and uh, you know, and I'm not caught up in all of these shenanigans that Ruth is involved in and my life will just be somewhat normal, you know? So that's, you that's see, that's where he yeah. was
1: naive, right? Because right. the snails had been around for decades. Everyone knew who and what the snails were. And I think ultimately, wh- like you said, when he lost his father, he lost pretty much the only family that he had ever known, even though it was dysfunctional. And to know that it was Ruth that yeah. you know, killed his father and destroyed his family, he went and in- Search of that family, which is what a lot of people would do, I think, in that situation. When you don't have anyone, you then look to other people to create that family and that structure you feel like you were you were not being given. But I, I feel as if, just like with everyone else, he had opportunities to walk away. He just didn't take it. He and so, therefore, yeah. he didn't take it. And so his life, oh... When Darnell died, I will I will be the first to admit that I felt so satisfying. until oh my like, gosh, they, it they did.
0: Kept, it did. It was it, satisfying, it, and then I was sad because then Wyatt got right? shot, and I was like, "Damn!" But exactly, it
1: <laughs> it's like these writers have a way of of creating, putting on this roller coaster of emotion. It's like you have this really great high, and you go on that uh, roller coaster, you take that dip, and it's like, "Oh, the pit of my stomach just fell out from underneath me." It was just like. That's the best way I can describe it in that moment.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, And before we wrap up, I mean, gosh, there's still so many other characters that we haven't even been able to talk about, Uh, but I did wanna bring one character in and I'm trying to remember his name. He's not coming to me. Um, Oh, there he is, Sam. Uh, Sam is the only character on this show that had a happy ending when you think about it. So Sam is like <laughs> oh, the, yeah, the nerd that he didn't really know what was going on. Like he had no idea that he was basically <laughs> a part of a money laundering scheme. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and sadly, because he was a part of this, uh, money laundering scheme and a casino where he was given hundreds of thousands of dollars every day to go gambling in this casino. He ended up Becoming addicted to gambling. Um, Mm -hmm. And then his girlfriend, who worked at the Lickety Splits, she was a stripper. I think she was only with him for the money, truth be told, but she winded up leaving him. She left him and he had a gambling addiction. And then Ruth ended up uh, buying a motel and she hired him to be like a, a manager, which was basically another money laundering business for Ruth. Uh, but then he uh, met with the girlfriend of of Nathan, uh, Wendy's father, and got baptized. And then yes, he, he left. He just he left, and he was able
1: to leave everything behind. And it's um, that was a really interesting story arc because, I mean. He lost his family as well as a result of the birds. Right? It's another classic example of,
0: yeah, you know, how their feelings have
1: impacted. Yeah, have have impacted his life in a, in a myriad of ways, of which all of them are negative. And then somehow through it all, he found his salvation. And yeah, I was, I was, um, I was happy for him. I, I mean, that was the only happy ending we'll ever get out of. Ozark apparently which is yeah I was
0: just like at least somebody had a happy ending right (laughs) out of all of the characters um because you know Ozark is a pretty dark show so to to see that someone got out not only alive but is able to just move on get out of there live live a wholesome life he's saved and you know he's got his faith and he's
1: still ignorant to everything that went on around him, which was the good thing because, yes. in a lot of ways, I mean, he was brought into a lot of this unknowingly. But the fact it was his ignorance <laughs> that really ended up saving him because, in that gambling addiction, because if he didn't get addicted, he would never have ever thought, okay, let me get saved now.
0: Right. So, you know. Right. Right. So, I, I really I find the the themes of faith to be so interesting on this series they they really weave that in beautifully um whether you're someone who is a believer or not a believer whether you know you are agnostic or atheist or christian or whatever they they just mm-hmm. weave in those elements um so well with each of these characters uh so i i i absolutely find that fascinating um about ozark so yeah, any, any final thoughts? Um, I mean, gosh, we haven't really even unpacked a third. Oh, the
1: there is so much more to, I think this is like one of those shows where you would have to have a weekly podcast to kind of
0: I know, really I know. delve
1: deep into everything and all things. Those are going to give it as proper due, but I just want to say that I'm a huge you know, 90s, 80s pop culture geek. And I just want to say the music choice in this series was spot on, especially of Nas and the hip hop and they reminisce over yeah. you. I thought that was a perfect application of that song at the end, especially for Peruv. And I just want to say Killer Mike, you had a fantastic cameo, my friend. And um yes, I, I just thought it was... It was fantastic the way that they, they wove in the the hip hop in that show.
0: But can I just say something about that Killer Mike scene, though, real quick? I had some mm-hmm. issues because <laughs> in, in no way in real life can somebody approach Killer Mike in a restaurant and have a five minute conversation while he's sitting there sure. with his burger and fries, fries is getting cold, <laughs> and he's there just like pontificating on whatever it was that we were pos- talking, the kid. you know what I'm saying I'm like bruh I, if you know first of all he he's trying to eat he's with his boys he's oh, he trying man. to eat you know and she's out there talking to him I'm like yeah this is not a real life this is a very tv moment is what I'm trying to say I get what the writers <laughs> were trying to do that you know they're trying to throw in those metaphors and whatever and and they're trying to throw in that exposition for us but in no way, shape or form is some random person going to come up to Killer Mike and have a five minute conversation. And then he's just cool with it while his burger yeah. and fries is getting cold. I don't think so.
1: <laughs> well, you had me at the pontificating and the and the what was the other big word you threw in there? The uh, exposition the expo-
0: and the exposition. Yeah, because I'm just like, come on now. Come on. That is not oh. a real- it was, a but you know what
1: though? it was, it was. yes, it is a TV moment because I don't care who you are. If my
0: fries are cold, okay, and they are no longer fresh,
1: then you and I are about to have a problem. Okay? He
0: didn't pick gotta, up one fry. He didn't take one bite out of that burger. He's just List. sitting there talking to her, you know, having... Okay, like, because then you got to go get
1: yourself a, some more burger and fries, right? And that's more money up out of my pocket. And yeah. then I got to sit up here and I got to pontificate about you being a fan <laughs> and going through... <laughs> See, you see, now you got me want to try and you know insert that, you know. And it's so funny because I was mm-hmm. so
0: focused on that moment, I forgot what the conversation was about. Cause I'm still thinking about the fact that them burgers and fries is getting cold while Ruth <laughs> oh, is talking man. to kill a mic. I'm like, Ruth, don't feel but bad because like, I don't
1: even remember what that was. All I know is they were talking about, but they did have a nice little wink to Nas in that moment because he said, you know, something about you sleep, and she said, you know. And it was a whole idea of um, the cousin of death, right? Because at that point she had lost her family, and she was, you know, listening to a lot of Nas and Illmatic in that moment. But it was—I thought that was a nice little wink to, you know, that the showrunners did to that. And so that's why I say it was a wonderful way to insert some music because it's usually it's not, you know, well done. People just put it in there, but this is well thought out I could tell they're 90 hip-hop kids so I appreciate that
0: yeah I I love the fact that they weave in so much great hip-hop into the show and you get that out of Ruth's character which is another reason why I like Ruth's character because she loves her music and she uh, sure
1: does I was not expecting that out of her you know for some 90s hip-hop I was like going. Oh.
0: I know, girl, I know girls like Ruth that like that kind of music. I could see it. Yeah, I, I've seen those some white girls out there in the trailer park. They be listening to some hip hop. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what it that. is? I
0: just think, because she's what, 19 years old? I'm like, what you know about Nas?
1: And that's how, you know, like my, it's so, so sad that and I'm Biggie. old enough to be, yes, okay, 30 years. And I'm like, am I really that old now that you are now my blues? it's like, what is up with this, but.
0: Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, man, you know, for you guys listening, I am certain that if you are still with us at this point, you've seen Ozark and it's been an interesting and fun journey. I absolutely love this show. I, these shows like this only come once in a blue moon. You just don't get shows like this that often. Um, With all of this TV that's out here, it's very hard to find a show that has really powerful writing, powerful performances from season to season is consistent, and then they tie in things that happen in previous seasons from the beginning to the end in a nice little bow. So, um, I really appreciated it and I appreciate you Mimi for wanting to have this conversation with me. Cause I'm like, I got to talk about this show.
1: <laughs> I have to talk about it.
0: So, oh, well,
1: thank you. Thank you for having me because, you know, and thank you for everyone listening and, you know, remembering again, this is my first podcast. so I appreciate all the kind words that you're going to throw my way, but, uh, <laughs> <to> get... <laughs> you did a fantastic job for your first podcast. So. Oh just thank you, Jamie. You. Thank you. Now we need to do one about soundtracks specifically cruel intentions. I'm just putting that out there.
0: Ooh, okay. Let's do it. Because that is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Of all time. So yes, yes. yes. We need to do that. <laughs> Uh, so, all right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in and listening. Ozark is currently streaming on Netflix, and uh, we'll chat with you guys next time. Bye. Bye-bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax and Ryan Bennett. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify.